The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of Lexington Community Radio or its board of directors. The views expressed are solely those of the programmers. You are listening to Off the Cuff. Now, here's your host, Adam Banks. Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks coming at you live from Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you for tuning in to WLXU 93.9 FM. In addition to listening to us on the radio, you can check out our Facebook live stream at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks, or you can download the Radio Lex app on your smartphone device or stream the show live from the website at radiolex.us to listen to us anywhere in the entire world. Amber Turner and I are both broadcasting from the Deborah Hensley Studios here at Radio Lex on North Limestone. It is January the 19th, 2023. Moving right along in the episode count of the year 2023. January, a very important month for Off the Cuff because, Amber, it is your boy's 35th birthday. <laughs> Yes. Tomorrow, January the 20th, your boy Adam Banks turns 35 years old. <laughs> the day, Amber, was January the 20th, mm-hmm. 1988. It was on a Wednesday. Do you know what day that you were born on? Uh, Monday. Of course I was. Well, Wednesday was the day I was born on. And it was the third Wednesday of 1988. Are we... I think this is the third Wednesday of... 2023. Thursday. It says the next time that we can use this exact calendar, the same calendar as 2023, is 2044. Oh, gosh. I have been alive for 12,779 days. I am 18,403 and 150 minutes old. That sounds old. I have been alive for 420 months. (laughs) Well, my birthday sign is Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And I was born in the year of the dragon. Yeah. In the year of the dragon. Listen to this. I've spent 4,256 days sleeping. Uh Uh-huh. 140 months sleeping. 11.66 years sleeping. 33% of my life, it says, was spent sleeping. Yeah. I have had 433 full moons since my birth. And the first, my first one billion second on this planet Mm -hmm. was on September the 28th, 2019. Okay. That's where I was alive for one billion seconds. You've been gracing this world with your beautiful presence for (laughs) one billion seconds. It says here, Ember, that I have a life path number, and the life path number is the number that is supposed to be your number. Yeah. It says my number, my life path number is 11. Okay. It says 11s are the most intuitive of all life path numbers and can sense a great deal about what's going on behind the scenes. They have an innate understanding of others and are easily able to pick up on deeper cues. (laughs) That nails me to a T. I've always felt like that I am somebody that can pick up on people's energy. I can pick up on people's vibes and I can tell the type of person you are 
just as a gift. That's the that's a gift that I have. I can tell whether or not you're a good person or a bad person just with intuition. Well, now, you know, 11 is also the divine number. So it means it's a divinely guided and, number. Well, and also, if you're talking in a biblical sense, the number 11 is a number of judgment. Oh, oh, gosh. Absolutely. Oh. And we know that. What are we judging this year? We know that God <laughs> is a God of numbers. He dedicated a whole book in the Bible to it. Absolutely. The book of numbers. So he said that the number 11 meant judgment. Oh. So what am I judging? <laughs> yeah, what are you judging? Maybe a few bikini contests this year. <laughs> but Amber, wonder, uh, that was a long time ago. 35 years ago is when I was born. 35 years ago. 35 years. <laughs> Since my birthday, January 20th, 1988, there was a lot happening in this world on my birthday. But contrary to all of that, things looked a lot different. Mm-hmm. In 1988, the number one movie in America was Good Morning Vietnam. Okay. On my birthday, on January the 20th, 1988, the median price of a new home cost $119,000. Oh. The price of a new car on January 20th, 1988 was $13,688. The price of a gallon of gas was 96 cents. A loaf of bread cost you only 58 cents. So things have changed in the last 35 years. Significantly. I share my birthday with a couple celebrities. Bill Maher, Evan Peters. Okay. Skeet Ulrich. Oh. Who was the killer in Scream 1. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Stacy Dash. Okay. John Michael Montgomery. Oh, well. Tyler Hero. Okay. Uh, anybody? Today's Dolly Parton's birthday. Is it really? Uh, she was a few hours short. Yeah. Well, I guess I was a few hours too late to be born on the same day as Dolly. Yeah. But yes, those are some January 20th birthdays. Well, I was trying to figure out what was the song, the number one song on your birthday. The Way You Make Me Feel by Michael Jackson. Oh, and that couldn't be a better fitting song. Right. But, you know, we did a whole segment last year on my birthday show where we talked about what the number one hits was on significant birthdays of mine. And that wasn't what it said when we did this last year. So I don't know if the number one song in America was The Way You Make Me Feel Mm -hmm. or that one song that we played last year. I don't remember. According to pop songs, though, I think the pop song is what is considered the number one song in America. I like the Michael Jackson song better. So we'll roll with that one. We'll roll with that. A lot has happened on January 20th throughout time, Amber. Would you be interested to hear the major things that have happened on my birthday, January 20th, 1988? You already know. Now, not in specifically the year 1988, but just January 20th throughout time. In 1885, January 20th, the roller coaster was patented by L.A. Thompson. Okay. The very first roller coaster. January 20th, 1891, James Hogg took office as the first native-born governor of Texas. Hmm. Also, January 20th has become the date that every four years a new U.S. president Mm -hmm. gets inaugurated into office. Yep. January 20th, 1892, the first official basketball game was played by students at the Springfield, Massachusetts YMCA Training School. January 20th, 1929, the movie In Old Arizona was released. The the film was the first full-length talking film to be filmed outdoors. 
Okay. On January the 20th, 1937, Franklin Delano Roosevelt became the first U.S. president to be inaugurated on January the 20th. The 20th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution officially set the date for the swearing in of the president and vice president. Okay. Wouldn't that be a great birthday gift to, to be, be inaugurated as president? sworn in. I mean, I would be vice president, but that'd be just as cool. And technically, you have to be a minimum 35 years old to run for president. Well, looky there, boss. How old will I be tomorrow? I looky there. So tomorrow yep. you can swear me in. So <laughs> technically, the next time they swear a president in, I'm eligible. Hey. So America. Well, we know where we're going. America put that in your pipe and smoke it. Put that at least in the back of your mind. In 1985, on January the 20th, the most watched Super Bowl game in history was seen by an estimated 115.9 million people. It was the San Francisco 49ers defeating the Miami Dolphins 38-16. to Super Bowl 19 marked the first time that TV commercial sold for a million dollars a minute. Oh, my word. Now it's up to five million a minute. Shoo. Wait, how many minutes you been alive? Imagine if we got all that money for minutes we've been alive. On January the 20th, 1986, the U.S. observed the first federal holiday in honor of slain civil rights leader Martin Luther King. Okay. And finally, on January the 20th, 2002, I was only 14, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan played his first game in Chicago as a visiting player. He played for the Washington Wizards, and the Wizards beat the Bulls 77-69. to And that was some of the major events that happened on January the 20th, my birthday. You mean to tell me that you were born on the day the first basketball game was played and the first roller coaster was patented? Yeah. That was literally, that's the course of your entire life right there. But none bigger, folks, none bigger than January the 20th, 1988, when Tammy birthed Adam Banks. So thank you, Mom. I want to thank my mom for giving birth to me. Thank my dad. Thank my dad, too. He played a big role. Well, obviously. He played a big role in the making of Adam Banks, and I really am appreciative of of that. But, Amber, being my birthday and all, it is the time to reflect on the things that you're thankful for, happy. It's it's a lot of life reflection that you do on your birthdays. It always is. I do enjoy being 35. I think getting older is a blessing. I think that 35... You are a fully grown adult. You cannot sugarcoat that at all. No, there's no more denying. There's no more denying. Absolutely not. I'm five years from 40. Uh I'm five years. uh, I'm closer to 40 than I am 29. Yes. What? Yeah. Does that mean I'm supposed to date 40-year-olds now? I mean, date whoever you prefer. Just make sure they're not, you know underage and things like that. I don't know, I don't know if I'm really attracted to 40-year-olds. Well, ain't that I mean, awful? maybe 40-year-olds ain't attracted to you. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's awful to say. <laughs> Am I going to be just eternally alone because the older I get, the less attracted I become to older people? Well, no, you can't look at it that way. 40-year-olds, when you was a kid, like which is what I think about when I think about a 40-year-old, ain't the same 40-year-olds we're talking about Yeah, now. but I don't look at older people and say, mm, give me some of that. Uh, yeah, but you got to think, these are our people. These are our age group. But I can still look at someone yeah. in their 20s and be yeah. like, wow. Yeah, but they're not looking at us in our <laughs> no, 30s no. going, wow. They're, they're not looking at me anymore. <laughs> I, went to, I went to the Kentucky basketball game uh, the other day, and I was sitting behind the student section. Yeah. Oh, you did not get booed out? No. <laughs> oh. No, no, that's football. Oh, okay. But the girl, I guess 
the girls in the student section, yeah. were, I guess it was belly shirt day. Oh, well, it's all be- it's always belly shirt it day. It was belly shirt day. And I just, I can't believe that that's what the college students are wearing now. They didn't wear belly shirts <laughs> yes, when I was they in school. Did. did they? Yes. I thought they wore juicy pants when I was in school. Well, we're talking about college, not okay. high school. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. 35 years old, another day older, January the 20th. 2023 makes me 35, but it is a celebratory episode because it is my birthday. So, ladies and gentlemen, stick with us. We still have lots more off the cuff with Adam Banks coming at you live after these words. Oh, the sun shines bright on my old Kentucky home. In Everybody to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. Amber, last week we talked about the best college fight songs across the land. There's a lot of great college fight songs that the band will strike up and play during an athletic event. And it made me start thinking, Amber, of some of the best state songs that we have right here in the United States and we'll start with our very own My Old Kentucky Home This rendition played by Sunday Best 49 of the 50 U.S. states that make up the United States of America have one or more state song and it's usually selected by the state legislator or the state governor The song is supposed to be a symbol of that particular U.S. state. New Jersey is the only state that does not have an official state song. Of course. But have you ever wondered why you hear a particular song associated with a random state? The state songs, more likely than not, will feature the name of the state in the song's title. Many of these songs are mostly unknown to people outside of a particular state, but there are a few state songs that have become famous. Would you consider My Old Kentucky Home a famous song Um, outside of Kentucky? I don't... Maybe, just because I feel like a lot of big-name country stars have redone this and put it out there in that world, but, I mean, I'm going to go with like a 75 no, 25 yeah. Well, this song was adopted as our state song in 1986. The words were written and performed by Stephen C. Foster originally. He wrote the song after a brief stay at the home of his cousins in Bardstown, Kentucky. Hey. Kentucky, my old Kentucky home is the official Kentucky state song. But Amber, what about the other famous state songs. That's what I would like to talk to you in the audience about today. The best state songs in the United States, and we'll start with My Old Kentucky Home because, hey, it's a great song and it's uh, our home state. Exactly. But we can't make a list without putting this one on there. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah. 
Take Me Home, Country Roads by John Denver. It was made the West Virginia State song in 2014. There's something so American about this song. It wasn't until 2014. I thought this was always West Virginia's state song. It should have been. That's why they finally made it right in 2014. Gosh, oh. I'm sure Jim Justice had something to do with it. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't care what state you're from. I don't care if you're playing West Virginia in a football game. A basketball game, when this song comes on, you sing along with it. Yes. Now, this is a, a state song that I feel like is very famous. Very. Countrywide. Absolutely. I teach in West Virginia. And every semester at graduation, they have a student sing this song. That's chill. It's very chill, and it's beautiful. It's a song that you can play by yourself on the guitar as an acoustic song, and it's beautiful. So, Take Me Home, Country Roads definitely has to make the list as one of the best state songs in the United States, but Amber... What about this one? Georgia, Georgia, the whole day Georgia on my mind, written by Stuart Gorell, but famously sung by Ray Charles. His rendition of Georgia on my mind is the official version of the Georgia State song. It became the state song on April 24th, 1979. It was performed on March the 7th, 1979 before a joint meeting of the Georgia Senate and the House of Representatives by Georgia-born recording artist Ray Charles. You gotta have Ray Charles sing your state song if, if Ray Charles was born in your state. Now, we played this song last week on the show, so we won't spend a lot of time on it. But you have to put it on your list as a famous state song. Wish that I was on old Rocky Top down in the Tennessee. Rocky Top is the official Tennessee state song. It was written by Bolex and Phyllis Bryant. Adopted in 1982 as the official state song. Now we talked about how this made the country charts. Many people like to sing their own rendition of this. Did Dolly, speaking of Dolly, did she sing her own version of Rocky Top? Nah, if she didn't, I'd be surprised. Yeah, one of the most famous Tennesseans of exactly. all time. Exactly. You know she's got her head in that race. Strangers ain't come down from Rocky Top. Reckon they never will. The now, this next one that I'm going to play, I absolutely love the story behind it. It's the Louisiana State song, You Are My Sunshine. 
words and music written by Jimmy Davis. The other night, dear, what I find interesting about the guy who created and wrote and sang the song was also the governor of Louisiana as he sang it and wrote it. Wow. I was mistaken, and I hung my head and cried. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy. It is rare for one person to climb the top of both fields. Music and politics. But Jimmy Davis had no problem accomplishing it as he became very popular in both industries. By the end of the decade, Jimmy Davis was a well-known recording artist and one of the biggest headliners in country music. His song, You Are My Sunshine, just made sense to make the state song of Louisiana. Imagine, this is the governor. Imagine (laughs) if your own governor sang your state song. Talk about loving your state. And this is also... It's also a song that can be sang to children. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think of children's songs. This is a song that I think of when I think of children's songs. Absolutely. It's a song that I used to sing in kindergarten. It's a song that we used to sing in church, even. I was in Sunday Bible, school class. I feel like Vacation Bible School, we would always sing this one. On Sunday, November the 5th, 2000, at the age of 101, Jimmy Davis passed away in his sleep at his home in Baton Rouge. I don't care. This guy needs to go in the Louisiana State Hall of Fame. He needs to be number one. Yes. The governor, the guy who wrote your state song, and not just write a state song, wrote an iconic song that's still around. But now you've left me and love another. You have shattered all my dreams. All right, continuing the list here as some of the best state songs in the United States, we're going to have to put the Kansas state song on there. Home, home on the Written by Brewster Hiley and composed by Daniel Kelly. It was adopted on June the 30th, 1947. Home on the Range is the name of this song. The original title of Home on the Range was My Western Home. The words were written from a poem that Dr. Brewster Hiley, an early pioneer of Kansas, had written. The poem was called, Oh, Give Me a Home. We bring up Saved by the Bell all the time. (laughs) That's what I was over here stewing. And when they were (laughs) trying, there was an episode where the cast was tasked to come up with the school song. Mm -hmm. And Screech took Home on the Range and changed the words into Bayside lyrics. It was like Home Home on Our School. Yes, but now knowing the history behind this song, now you know why he chose this song. Right? Yes. Because when you hear this song, I didn't know it was a state song. I just thought it was a a song. thought it was a Western song. Right. Yeah. But no, this is the official state song of Kansas. And the skies are not cloudy. 
All right, I've got one more to play for everybody, and this could also fall under a children's song category. It is the Connecticut state song, Yankee Doodle. is the official Connecticut State song. It was written by Francis Hopkinson and composed by Francis Hopkinson, adopted on October the 8th, 1978. There are said to be as many as 190 verses of Yankee Doodle, but this patriotic U.S. song has a very strong history. I remember singing this song in Head Start, Amber. Oh, Barney. They sang it on Barney. All the time. So, like I said, a, it could fall under a children's song. It honestly might be the most iconic, depending on the generation, because if you were, if you watched Barney, you know this song. Now, one day here on the show, I am going to do the most iconic child songs, but Yankee Doodle would have to make that list. Absolutely. Because it is so famous. It is. Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony, stuck, stuck a, a feather, feather in, in his hat, hat and, and called, called it macaroni. Macaroni. Yeah. And I used to think that was macaroni. just, a, I thought that was just a goofy song. I thought it was hilarious. Yes. I was like, well. But it was the official Connecticut State song. Now, why didn't my Head Start teacher mention that? I would have, I, re- I would have retained that information. Yeah, I wouldn't have. No, but I would have. Well, I mean, I don't really know how you would work into a conversation like this dude stuck a feather in his hat, called it macaroni, but this is the state song. But here's the deal. You have to talk to children like adults. They understand you. They will understand you. They might look at you odd for talking to them (laughs) like an adult, but that's how they learn. They always say not to do baby talk to a baby. Yeah, just the dogs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you can talk to a baby like an adult, and it's supposed to make them somewhat smarter. <laughs> but that, ladies and gentlemen, is the best state songs right here in the United States. The most famous state songs. What's your favorite? Out of what we played, yes, probably uh, "Country Roads." Okay, okay. Yeah. If we out of any state song, did, was there one that I left off that you wish I would have put on? I honestly, I don't know if it was the state song, but there's one for Texas, and it's like the stars shine bright all through the night, deep in the heart of Texas. That's a good one. Yeah, there are so many songs about Texas. God bless Texas with oh, His own hands. That's yeah. who. That's if that's not the state song, it should be. What is it? Brought down grace to the promised land. Yeah. But that, ladies and gentlemen, are the that's some of the best state songs right here in the United States. I hope that you enjoyed it. But stick with us. We still have lots more off the cuff without a banks coming at you live after these words. Another day is gone. I'm still all alone. How could this be? everybody to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. Lisa Marie Presley has lived a very interesting life. A lot of people might have forgot she was once upon a time married 
to Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. the king of pop. Think about this. She was the daughter of mm-hmm. the king of rock, Elvis, yep. and married the king of pop, Michael Jackson. I play this song, You Are Not Alone, because Lisa Marie Presley, while she was the wife of Michael Jackson, she appeared in this video. Looking mighty fine, I might add. Oh, goodness. Lisa Marie Presley, unfortunately, passed away last Thursday. She was only 54 years old. She suffered cardiac arrest in her home in Calabasas, California. Her heart was restarted after CPR was administered en route to the hospital. But she later died that day when they was unable to get her heart working properly. Her last public appearance had been two days prior at the 80th annual Golden Globe Awards, which she attended with her mother. Lisa Marie will be buried in Graceland with her father, Elvis, and her son, Benjamin. But a very interesting life she had. Oh my goodness. The daughter of Elvis Presley. Let's start there. In the 70s. There was none bigger than Elvis Presley. Oh, 60s and 70s. He was the king of rock. He was an icon. Still is an icon. As you can tell, they make a movie about him. The movie wins all the awards. Mm-hmm. That was her daddy. Everybody knew Elvis as the king of rock. Lisa Marie knew him as her dad. She was thrusted into the spotlight being Elvis's daughter from a young age. When you're born to a man or woman that famous... You have no choice but to be thrust into the spotlight. No choice. It's not like he put her in front of a camera every time there was a camera there, but everybody wants to know what Elvis' daughter is doing, what she looks like, what does she like to play with. So she was in the spotlight. Oh, I mean, look, their house is even on display now. I mean, I think that for itself shows how much their life, her life in itself was just focused on. It says here that when her father died... In August of 1977, nine-year-old Lisa Marie became joint heir to his estate with her 59-year-old grandfather, Vernon Presley, and Vernon's 87-year-old mother, Minnie Mae. Upon the deaths of her grandfather in 1979 and her great-grandmother in 1980, she became the sole heir. On her 21st birthday in 1993, she inherited the estate, which had a estimated value of $100 million. Wow. She sold the 85% of Elvis's estate in 2004. Probably needed to cash in and make a little money. Probably. Now let's get to the good stuff. Oh my goodness. She was married to Michael Jackson. Uh, well, I think people sometimes, they talk about the uh, Madonna, Britney, Christina kiss, and I think people forget like how big it was when she and Michael Jackson walked out and kissed each other in front of everybody. Yes, because many people, there were so many things, rumors, speculation going around about Michael Jackson's sexuality. Mm-hmm. Is he molesting little boys? Is, is him and Lisa Marie really in love? And they came out and in their first public album outing together, mm-hmm. and Michael laid a big, fat kiss on her. Oh, yeah, he did. Now, a lot of people say that Lisa Marie had no idea that he was going to do it, and it was kind of surprising. I mean, you can tell it's uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable, but it looked like a nice smooch. Well, I mean, He is Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> he's, got, he's got the moves, Yeah. so he was able to do it, but 
They did several interviews as a couple. Everybody was wanting to talk to Mrs. Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. What's he really like? She said he was a totally different person off stage. I'm sure he was. She said he was more masculine, and she said he was more confident that he led on off stage. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure he she was. She said uh, his off stage persona that he liked to portray to the world that he was very shy and quiet. No. But he was nothing like that. And she said that was unfortunate that many people didn't get to see his real his real side. Yeah. And she said that he would even cuss like a normal person. Well, yeah, because, you know, Michael never liked to say bad words. No, and he was soft-spoken when he would say them. When they filed for divorce, it officially has it on paper that Lisa Marie filed for divorce. But they say that Michael Jackson had planned on doing it the day before Lisa Marie did it, but she well. beat him to the punch. Uh, it says here that Lisa Marie begged him not to and then yeah. went out the next day and did it. Well, she probably knew. She probably knew and didn't want it yeah. on paper that he was divorcing exactly. her. One of the big reasons, I think, that they set that marriage up, because it was a arranged marriage, I think they set that marriage up because it was royalty in entertainment. Absolutely. You had the king of pop and you had the king of rock's daughter. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine if they would have made a child? Oh my goodness. That child would have inherited Elvis and Michael Jackson's genes. That would have been insanity. It would have been. Oh my goodness. How would that person have moved? Oh, very, very smoothly across the stage. Lisa Marie tried to do her own career. Didn't really go anywhere. Didn't she have a song out? She had a few songs. Yeah. But she will always be known as Elvis's daughter and Michael Jackson's ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Now, she, I was not a big fan of Lisa Marie Presley. Yeah. I thought that she, she was a nobody. She had no talent of her own. She was only famous because of who her dad was and who she married. And she had the audacity and the nerve to talk about how disgusting Michael Jackson was after marrying him. You were married to Nicolas Cage. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got no room to talk about nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you marry somebody, and just because you're not married to them no more, you want to go and publicly bash them, that's bad taste. Yeah, and what does that say about you? Because you married them. Yes. Oh. And now they come out and say that she was devastated yeah. when she found out that he died because that was the love of her life. Well, which is it? Love of your life or he's disgusting? <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's a thin line, but... So she really dated Nicolas Cage? She married Nicolas Cage. For how long? I know, Look, I don't think he's been known to have long courtships, but... That marriage is almost as bizarre as Michael Jackson. Literally. That's what I'm saying. Like, she did not... She either really hit it out of the park with the husband department, or she striked out all around. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to play Off the Cuff's Song of the Week. This is a good one. And we'll talk about it after we play it. It's Miley Cyrus, Flowers. We'll be back after the song. We were right till we weren't. Talk about the ultimate breakup revenge. Miley Cyrus apparently wrote this song about her ex Husband, Liam, what's his? Hemsworth. Liam Hemsworth. She Uh wrote this song about him. And then the kicker to this song was she made a music video and recorded the music video in a house that allegedly was the same house that her ex-husband cheated on her in. And she danced all over the house 
in a suit that he <laughs> wore on the red carpet with her when they were a couple. And that suit is a suit that she chose to wear because it was a very negative situation. Mm-hmm. One time he was wearing that suit. They were together. They were on the red carpet. And she was trying to have some fun with him. I don't know if she was trying to twerk on him, lick his face. She was doing something he didn't want to be done. Mm-hmm. And he said, can you just behave? Yeah. And that embarrassed her. Mm-hmm. So she wore that suit in the music video, clearly showing that she's not going to behave. No. And she's dancing around. It's a great tune. It's a catchy tune. It's already got over 60 million views on YouTube, and it just keeps continuing to rise. I predict this to be a number one hit. Absolutely. Definitely could be a top five Miley Cyrus top three. song. But hey, I want to know what my man Bruno has to say about this song, because... Bruno Mars, if you listen to his song, When I Was Your Man, when I was your man it's the exact opposite of mm-hmm. this song. Mm-hmm. So basically what Miley has done, and I don't know if you can get in trouble for this or not, but apparently what Miley has done has taken the song from Bruno Mars, When I Was Your Man, everything Bruno says he wished he would have done, Miley basically said it, but said she was going to do it for herself. So... Bruno said, for instance, I should have brought you I should have bought you flowers. Miley says, I can buy my own flowers. I can buy myself flowers. Bruno says, I should have took you dancing. Miley said, I can take myself dancing. Mm-hmm. Bruno says, I should have held your hand. Miley says, I can hold my own hand. So everything Bruno said, I wish I would have done that for my woman. Miley is saying the same thing. She's just saying, I can do this for myself. So it's a self-anthem mm-hmm. song. It's a great song. Oh, and you know, it's also the song that he dedicated to her at their wedding, the Bruno Mars version. And she dropped this song on, on his, birthday. his birthday. Listen, ex-girlfriends, tomorrow's my birthday. I don't want no song dropped about me tomorrow. Hey, if you're going to drop a good LP, though, hit me up with a copy first. But hey, if it's as good as Flowers... That's what I'm saying. If it's as good as Flowers, be my guest. Now, Liam Hensworth, I don't know him. Who? I don't know if he's a good guy. I don't know if he's a bad guy. But you better be careful. And I'm talking to anyone, not just Liam, but I'm talking to anyone. You better be careful dating someone that is creative in the arts mm-hmm. because that person will destroy you. Musically, using whatever art they have, if they have a creative art, they can use that to crush you yeah. because you can't defend yourself. If you have no creative art to defend yourself with, you're just, it's a very one sided situation. Oh, and how bad does he have to kind of feel? Because all of her crazy good songs are all written because he's kind of a not good dude. You are correct. Let's think about some of the songs that she's released because of him. We Can't Stop. Wrecking Ball. Wrecking Ball. Wrecking Ball is about him. That whole Bangers album, I think turned her into the icon that she is. Absolutely. And it was because of her breakup with him that made her create that album. Exactly. And then they got back together, got married, Mm -hmm. and now she's creating stuff like this. Exactly. So, so, I don't know if we should thank him or send him a I'm sorry card. uh, Breakups do people well in the entertainment industry. Breakups do creative people well in their art. Well, not Shania Twain, though. No. So, I guess it just depends on how you take your breakup. 
Yes. Yes, I say that. And then the worst of the worst happened to Shania Twain. She got <laughs> yeah. broken up with and completely fell off the map. Exactly. Well, no, she didn't fall off the map. She got her heart broke. She'll never fall off the map because of her place, her impact in, yeah. in the music industry. But she will never rise to the stardom that she was. Well, unless a good man comes through and repairs her heart, maybe. Well, it doesn't help when your ex-husband was also your producer, your manager, and pretty much helped skyrocket you. But that, ladies and gentlemen, was our song of the week, and I hope you enjoyed. We still have lots more Off the Cuff Without a Banks coming at you live after these words. Stick with us. everybody to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. Last segment of the hour. The toxic Kentucky fans have now been pacified with a win over Tennessee and Georgia. Man, it's something how quickly things can change just with a win. Everybody was calling for John Calipari's job and now everybody has backed off of that. Speaking of John Calipari, he was in a little bit of hot water due to a sideline report he was doing with ESPN reporter Holly Rowe. Amber, did you get a chance to see that sideline interview? I did. A little bit of an awkward interaction. It's where Holly Rowe asked Calipari a question, and he grabbed her by both shoulders and said, did we miss three open shots? We did. That's why we're down 8-0. Then you get in the huddle and say, we're all right. We just missed open shots. Keep playing. (laughs) (laughs) Go, team, go. (laughs) Go, team, go. I don't know. Apparently, people are saying that it was an outrage that he put his hands on Holly Rowe. I don't know about uh, that. that That it's a workplace and it needs to be a safer place. But I agree with you. I don't know how much of harassment I would call this. Now look, if people call that harassment, don't ever go to the Cracker Barrel because they're going to be all over your shoulders anytime you go in there and eat. And Amber, it's don't you think that we've gone too far down certain lanes? Absolutely. And people on the internet are doing perform performative outrage for clout. Oh, absolutely. That's a double absolutely. I mean, they just want to get on the internet and say that's wrong cancel him just to get their own personal clout. Like, I just don't understand. I feel like we are always setting ourselves back. You know, this was a, in the moment, you're playing a game, and there's a live audience. Workplaces, they they do need to be safe, and people do need to feel safe doing their jobs. But I don't think that we should nitpick every little thing. Holly Rowe, if you go back and you watch the interview, she did not at all look uncomfortable. Mm -mm. She has been interviewed by John Calipari several times. So unless she says something about it, then let's shut up about it. Now, there was a report that her and ESPN filed charges against Calipari. Yeah. I don't know how true that is. I hope that's not. I don't think it is. I'm going to hope that's not. But I I think that was a ridiculous uh, thing to even bark about but as everything does when you shut up about it it dies down Mm -hmm. i haven't heard anything about it since calipari didn't even find it worth mentioning it Mm -hmm. and i would take that direction as well exactly do the happy mobilini and don't say nothing it will eventually go away 
But Kentucky will play Texas A&M at Rupp Arena this Saturday at 2 o'clock on ESPN. So let's hope that they can keep up their momentum and do good. It'll be a good one. Amber, speaking of not good, mm-hmm. Kenny Payne and the Louisville Cardinals are doing bad. Oh, no. I've said on this show before, I said that if Louisville hired Kenny Payne, it would be an atrocious hire. Oh. I said that it would be the worst mistake that the program ever made. I didn't even understand the thought process that went into hiring Kenny Payne, but they didn't listen to me. But what do I know? They still went ahead and hired Kenny Payne, and because of it, they are now looking at a two and twenty-seven record. Huh? <laughs> two and twenty-seven, like they won two, lost twenty-seven? No, no, no. They, they, Amber, they've they've won two games total. Yeah. How many have they lost? I think twenty-seven. Are you serious? That, that don't sound right, does it? I don't know. That, it could. That, that can't be right. Sounds like me coaching. It says here. It says here that they've only won two games. If they don't win at least five games, mm-hmm. they don't deserve. I don't think that Kenny Payne even deserves a year two. I hope Kenny Payne ain't making no stoops money up there. He's making a little bit of money. Yeah. Two, three million. Oh, gosh. Two or three million to win two games. Hey. That's worse than Mark hey, That's a good paycheck. And I I think people will say, I hear people say, well, you got to give him a second chance. Do you? Or can you do so bad on your first chance that it eliminates any possibility of doing a second year? I don't know why we automatically want to give people two years when we're paying them that kind of money. Because it's not coming out of their pocket. I could see if we were paying a coach 100000 a year, yeah, give him a second chance. Let's see if he can do anything the second year. But we're paying coaches. I say we, like I'm Louisville. But, we, <laughs> but universities, they pay coaches expecting... At least a little bit of a result. Mm-hmm. Two games is a wash. Yeah. What a waste. Well. He does not deserve a second year. Will he get one? Probably. Will he do any better? No. I love it when Kentucky fans, back when Kenny Payne was our assistant coach, people would say, Calipari, is, he's not the man behind those wins. It's Kenny Payne. You see how silly you can make yourself look when you don't know what you're talking about? Not according to Louisville, he ain't. Before we go, Amber, we got to talk about this as well. Alec Baldwin being charged with involuntary manslaughter due to that incident Uh that happened on set where he took a prop gun and shot a worker on the film. Mm -hmm. He did not have any idea that the gun was loaded, allegedly, and the gun was supposed to be used in the movie for a prop. So Mm -hmm. he grabbed the gun, did what he was supposed to do with the prop gun. It was not a prop gun. It was a real one. But yet he gets charged. Now, being charged and being convicted is two different things. Yeah. He is charged, so he may have to go to trial for this. But I don't see how you can convict him. Uh, I mean, I think this is going to be one for the books to see how this one plays out. I, I don't. I don't. I think that maybe somebody is trying to set him up. Well, I mean, you know, we see that happening a lot more these days. People setting others up. Well, you ready to take the fall. When you, uh, it just makes sense that somebody set him up. It would make sense yeah. if you want him to go down for something. Put exactly. a, but at the expense of somebody else's life. Well, I mean, come on now, we know how it is. It will be interesting to see how that ends up. But, ladies and gentlemen, 
That about wraps up another episode of Off the Cuff with Adam Banks. If you like this episode, you will probably like our previous episodes, so check us out on our podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you stream major podcasts. We release new episodes every Thursday from 4 to 5 right here on WLXU 93.9 FM, so make sure you download that app. You can follow the show on social media at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks. You can follow the co-host on social media at Ambu447. You can follow me, the host, on social media at The Adam Banks. We will be back next week from 4 to 5, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Amber Turner. I'm Adam Banks, and this is Off the Cuff. We'll catch you down the road. Yeah.